Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rimble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim Show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. We begin to show you scripturally, as it was said of of the tribe of the northern kingdom, that of the loin of Ephraim, the southern tribe is that of Manassas, that Ephraim would be known as a great nation. And the interpretation of that in Hebrew was Milo Hegom, which means the fullness of the Gentiles, which led to the next series of scriptural thought that brought us to the, to the recognition that God is drawing back Ephraim once again, who was lost. And that most likely, you and I that are here in this room are the tribes of Ephraim, or those ten tribes that were of the northern kingdom that were spread abroad, of which God drove them into the four corners of the earth. Now, even if you're not of one of those tribes, you're going to, we're going to get some scripture tonight to let you understand that really it doesn't matter. The fact of it is, you can't never were meant to have been what we call a Christian without being a Jew. There was never any indication by Scripture that that was to be so. Through the scenario of, our, of the church life through the Roman Empire, we begin to discover that the church had to become a separated entity from Judaism. We are not a mistake. Amen? That we're not a mistake. Well, if you found that Romans 11, let's look in 25... It says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, what is it? It's a mystery. It was a mystery. Least ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, who's the fullness of the Gentiles? Ephraim, the northern tribes of, of all of Israel, or at that time was actually called Israel. Now, when we begin to examine and begin to understand that it happened until the fullness of the Gentiles was come in. Now, now grab on to this and, and listen closely. We have been, and I don't think that there's a minister that has operated in the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, throughout the years that God permits to prophesy. And by the way, the only way that you can prophesy is God permits you to prophesy. Prophesy is a gift, prophesying is a gift given by God. Amen? It is not an unction that you get in yourself to say something and blame it on to God. That's not what prophesying is. Prophesying is something that is done in the supernatural realm by the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, that causes us to become the mouth or the mouthpiece of God Himself. And that's what's important to, to, to remember. So there is, throughout the years and throughout the last eight, ten years, there has been many, many ministers prophesy that, as a matter of fact, the coming of an end of the Gentile age is at hand. And I don't think that's anything that any of us in this room probably haven't heard, especially if you've been around me, because I have been prophesying for years the coming of the end of the Gentile age we will see. That door will be closed. And, of course, a lot of the church believes, that, or a portion of the church anyway believes, that the closing of the Gentile age means that the church will be raptured off the face of this earth. And, again, I hope last week we were able to put that even further to sleep for you, 
The church isn't going to be, uh, there isn't going to be a pre-tribulation rapture that we are set on this earth to do exactly what God tells us to pray. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that when that begins to, to, be, to be re- reveal itself as it is to us, then, then we begin to realize that we are going to do exactly what Jesus told us to pray. He said, pray like this. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of the Lord, that his will be done on earth, not rapture the church off the earth, and then something happened that somewhere along the line his will be done. His will is going to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I think you and I have got to agree that we're a long way from doing his will here on this earth. Now, the next verse says, And so all Israel shall be saved. And you need to underline that. All of Israel shall be saved. Now, in consequence... When we begin to, to realize, and it's revealed to us, as it has been by the Scripture, that there are ten tribes that did not know who they were or who they are today. But there was one, uh, we could say two tribes, if in fact we count the Levites and we count that portion, small portion of Benjamites that was there and called in Jerusalem, to be in Jerusalem, as Judah, then we can realize that they were never lost. How do we know that? Do we know how many of the tribe of, of from the loins of Ephraim was destroyed in the Holocaust? We don't, do we? But we can sure take account of six million from the tribe of Manasseh, or the loins of Manasseh, that was. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? So we know. We know that portion. But we have no idea of knowing why, because that was set by God and intended by God that we not know. In other words, it was hidden from us. And, and as, uh, as we're told there in 25, it's part of that mystery. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. There will be the ungodliness will be turned away from Jacob. Now, I want you to, to, to try to get the picture of what's going on. All of Israel is going to be saved. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? How many people do you suppose would make up all of Israel today? There's no way of knowing. But you know something? God knows. God knows, in fact, the exact number, and that would be with those that are going to be born, brought into this world during this time that haven't even been conceived in their mother's womb yet. He knows that all of Israel is going to be saved. Quite a statement. You might say, well, I don't know about that. Well, don't, don't try to test God. Amen? If God says all of Israel is going to be saved, they're going to be saved. That's all there is to it. Now, 27 says, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Now, I want you to grab on to that, and then I want you to turn with me into Luke 22. He says, This is my covenant. Now, this is something that's going to, it might take your mind a little while to catch up to your spirit, man, but bless God it will, so just don't fall out of the pew. In, in Luke 22, and in the 20th verse, he says, Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Was that being shed for the Gentiles? Mm-mm. There wasn't a Gentile in that room. Now listen to me closely. 
That blood, of which they partook of that night, was being shed for the Jew. Now, did I misread that? Not hardly. Let's read it again to make sure that you understand what's being said here. Now, Jesus is speaking at the Passover meal, and he says, I'm going to turn the page, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. There was no new covenant made ever for the Gentiles. There was never one made. You won't find a new covenant made for the Gentiles in your Bible. The covenants that were made were made unto Israel. Still today stands for Israel. Now that, that, that in some ways that's going to throw a, a stumbling block to some of us. But hold on, there's more, okay? That it isn't, it isn't like God does something and then doesn't do something else to, to explain himself because he doesn't. And I kind of like the way sometimes God does me and I, I'd like to do you in the same manner, but maybe it wouldn't work out so well. Uh, and, and if you turn in Isaiah 56, we'll try to, uh, straighten all this out now because that's some pretty broad statement and pretty deep statement within itself. But again, if you let your minds begin to comprehend the fact that everything that was being done has always, because God had chose Israel. Israel didn't choose God. Everything that has ever been done from God to Israel has, in fact, been within, within the ranks of Israel itself. It's never gone outside of Israel to do anything. Do you understand? Now listen, because this is important before we go to 56. God could have raised up and brought forth a Gentile for Messiah. He said, no, he couldn't because the Scripture says. That's right, the Scriptures say. But you've got to remember something. God can do anything he wanted to do. In other words, he could have back in the Scriptures, he could have said, there will be a Gentile Messiah that will come. But he didn't do that. In fact, the Messiah, which is Yeshua, Jesus, had to come in exactly the matter in which God spoke. Now, isn't it great that the old prophets did it right? Amen? Isn't it good that they didn't add to or take away from? They just, he said, what do you see? And he said, I, I, you know, I see this or I see that. And that's all he, that's all he spoke as the prophet. But you see, there again, as God beginning to, to do what he does, he did it all within the family. You hear what I'm saying? See, we, the church, believe that God gave the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, only unto the Gentile church. Well, now, you're partly wrong about that, and you're partly wrong about that. The fact of it is that if what I am teaching you by the Word of God, which is undeniably the truth, the fact of it is, then the fullness of the Gentile, the Gentile church, is Ephraim. And if, in fact, God gave the Holy Ghost unto Ephraim, which He did then we are part of that. But you see, it wasn't something given out. Now listen again, please, because the whole base of this is to understand what I'm trying to do before I get into the rest of this. The whole base is to understand nothing was ever given outside of the tribes. Never was it given by God. It was always given into, if you will, Judaism. It all connected to Judaism. As I said, even though Paul became a Christian... Even though Paul, bless God, spoke in other tongues and the Holy Ghost, the Rahakodesh, was upon him, he was still a Jew. He never disconnected that. He never, in any other, in any way did he ever deny the fact that him being a Jew. He always proclaimed his Judaism. 
irregardless as to some of the Scriptures. And again, I hope that we have put that to bed for you. If we haven't, go back and study them again, because it will. Paul was not against Judaism. Paul was not against keeping the laws. Jesus was not against Judaism. Jesus was not against keeping the laws. In fact, he said, keep my commandments. And his commandments, because he is part of the Father, and he is the Son with the Holy Ghost, the Rahakodesh, the fact of it is the only commandments that he had at that point in time was not written in the Gospels of Paul. Amen? They weren't written there. There was no reason for them to be there. 56 now of Isaiah. Let's look in, uh, we'll start in the first verse. Thus saith the Lord, keep you, keep you judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeping and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Now notice two things that he's speaking about. He's speaking about doing no evil, and he's talking about, bless God, that keepeth the Sabbath and from polluting it. Now we're going to do some things uh, down the road, um, more so about the Sabbath, because it's understa- understandably a thing that we have seen in the Christian world or community, something that has been played with, something that has set itself aside to be a certain type of, of cults and everything else that has been sorely misunderstood. Now, I will tell you, as I told the ministry tonight, God gave you six days a week to do any cockeyed thing you want to do, anything. But he did say on the seventh day, you won't do anything but keep it holy unto me. And that was never changed, and it was never brought down, nor was it meant to have been implicated throughout any scriptures that, that, it, it, that it changed. Most of us still today cannot get a hold of the idea that Paul kept Sabbath. We can't get a hold of the fact that Yeshua, Jesus, kept the Sabbath. And yet the fact that he said, you keep my commandments, you keep the commandments, you keep the commandments, we of the Christian entity decided on our own through no doubt much calculated wisdom of theology that that was only for the Jews. Now that I have described you and to you through the Scriptures that you are a Jew, then you have to not be able to deny the fact that it wasn't for us, because we are Jews. You are Jew by spirit, or you're Jew by blood, and it doesn't make any difference to God one way or the other, and I'm going to show you tonight, if we don't run out of time tonight, if we do, it'll be next week, where that is an absolute fact by the Word of God. It doesn't make any difference to God. The fact of it is, and most of it rotates around the verse that I gave you here, is the fact if you keep the Sabbath and you keep from polluting it, and, and keepeth his hand from doing evil. So those two things is what he's saying. Third verse says, Neither let the son of a stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his, his people. Neither let the Enoch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the Enochs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold on my covenant. Now, I got ahead of myself because I, I forgot this scripture was right coming up here that's uh, going to talk about this. The the Enoch, the people that were strangers, the people that were foreigners to Israel, were not Jews. They weren't. Okay? But what God is saying is that if they will come, if they will keep my Sabbaths, he said if they will do these things, and and bless God, then he goes on to say in the fifth verse, even unto them will I give 
in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the son, of sons and daughters. Now, boy, that's pretty wild, isn't it? I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut, shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord and to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to, to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring into my holy mountain and make them joyful in my, in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. For the Lord... God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. Now, do you understand that? He says he's going to... Who are the outcasts of Israel? They are the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Ephraim, which we call Israel. He said, I will gather them back. So they, they are outcasts. Again, by Scripture, they had been cast out to the four corners of this world. Neither were they known by the tongue that they spoke to cover their skin, nor even by the religion in which they kept. They were outcasts. They were unknown, and there was no way to know them. No one could say, oh, you're a Jew, or you're not a Jew. You're this or you're that. God said, I will see to it that no one will know you. But as we discovered last week, he's now, Ephraim, Ephraim. And Ephraim is beginning to gather themselves, not because, and this is what's important to understand, you are, we're getting ourselves because we're Ephraim, not because somebody has told us to. Because there is no rhyme nor reason to receive what seems to be a new gospel, which is not new at all. But there's no rhyme nor reason to that. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. We have the, the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, to guide and to lead us into all truth. What more could we have or what more could we need? It really doesn't matter what we need or what we don't have or what we need to have. The fact of it is that God said that He would gather the outcasts of Israel. How do you think He's doing that? Sending you a letter in the mail? God forbid! He's doing that by speaking unto the hearts of man. He is speaking unto the hearts of man all over the face of this earth. And that's the reason that I would say to you, and I have said before, and you can call it prophecy or whatever you want to call it, that this will be the last and the greatest move of the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost that this earth has ever seen, will be the gathering of the nation or the loins of, of, of Ephraim and the loins of Manasseh that will come together, and those two sticks will become one stick into one hand. And that's what God said. And that's what's going to come, and that's what's coming to the face of this earth. But we need to realize and accept the fact that God is, there are others that God's going to, is, is along the way. So you understand, not everybody, not everybody is going to be that of Ephraim. Not everybody's going to be that of Judah or that of, of Manassas. The fact of it is, it doesn't make any difference. Somebody say it doesn't make any difference. Amen. Will God treat you any differently if you're not? Sounds to me like you might get treated better. All of a sudden to discover you're a Jew, huh? Or, all the, uh, 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 or, or to realize that you are. But do you realize the emphasis in which God put upon the, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, 
as it's, as it's pronounced in Hebrew, and not polluting the Shabbat, which is from sundown on Friday till sundown on Saturday. Did you understand that? God put a great amount of emphasis upon that. Why, why, why put that in that? Why should that be there? Well, it's only there because evidently there is something hidden. There is a mystery about Shabbat. There is a mystery about keeping that one day in which God created and said to keep holy. There's something about that. There's something about it that we have fought. There's actually been physical fist fights through the years and the generations of people in churches and synagogues and everything else over the Sabbath. God is not trying to get us to argue and to decide and to vote whether or not you should keep Shabbat. God said that it would be kept throughout the generations of this earth. So it would be very simple if, if we look at it in a, in a very simple term, and I suppose that's the only way that we, we should look at it. Uh, the, the fact that, that if we don't keep that day in which God set aside, if we don't keep it, then we are polluting it. And if it's something holy, you can imagine what it must be like to God Something that's holy. Can you in your mind register anything that would seem or look to be or feel to be holy? Well, God himself is holy. God said, I am a holy God. I'm holy. There's no sin within God. There's no pollutants, which is sin, within God and within his entire realm. So there is something about man, you and I, that has caused us to regulate our lives and our society into believing that we should somehow make no difference as there to be a Shabbat or Sabbath or whatever you'd want to call it. We just don't need to have it because we were set free from that thing. And yet God keeps saying, keep it holy. One of the Ten Commandments, but somehow we only have nine. And yet now it's all coming full turn again. I believe this. I believe what we're going to find out in the time to come. One of the reasons why that the Jew has been so successful. Now listen to me closely. They are the healthiest people on the face of this earth. They are the richest people on the face of this earth. They are the heads and never the tails of anything. And I'm talking about those that keep, those that keep Judaism. I'm not talking about the heathenistic Jew that's out here claiming to be a Jew and saying, Lord, I want all your blessings because I'm a Jew. He might as well jump off the bridge. Uh, that is not the way the blessings of God come. The blessings of God comes to a Jew by keeping the same commandment that the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, told us to keep. But you see, the Jew kept it, and look how successful they are. Could it be because one of the great emphasis to a Jew is to keep that day that day in which God calls Shabbat in Hebrew, that we would keep Sabbath and we would keep it holy and we would not pollute it? Do you suppose that has anything to do with why they are so successful in this world? I believe we're going to find out in time, if not until we, the day we stand before God, that that might be the, one of the primary reasons of their success. It isn't because they're smarter than anybody else. It isn't because that God loves them better than anyone else. It's because they just simply did what God said to do. And God said, keep my Shabbat. Don't pollute it and keep it holy all the days throughout your generations. And there's all kind of promises that go with that. Yet, yet somehow, we as the church, you know, we got thinking the Jew was, you know, 
Kind of dumb because he couldn't see what was inevitable that we could see. We thought we had it all and they didn't get any of it. Huh? I'm going to tell you something. You get talking to some of these Orthodox boys and girls and you'll find out something they think the shoe's on the other foot. They, they, you know, they look at us and say, well, you know, they, they watch these programs. They see they have television too and, and they watch all these programs and laugh about us sending all of our money to these big time national ministries and still just as poor as we were when we started. They know prosperity doesn't come that way, folks. And yet they don't have the guidance of the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, and they sure don't have the power and the authority of the name of Yeshua, Jesus. How do you suppose they know that and we're so dumb enough that we're out here? You know what it is? We're out here grabbing for every string we can grab onto in Christianity. Anything that's quick and easy. If it's easy to write a $1,000 check, and if you had that kind of money and be a, a millionaire next week, everybody would do it. But we found out that didn't work. Send your diamond rings into some old boy in the ministry, and, and all he's doing is cashing them in and taking them overseas and having a big time somewhere. And yet we kept doing it, doing it, doing it. Didn't work, didn't do it, work, didn't work. And now God is calling Ephraim forth. But as, he, as him calling him forth, what has to happen is there has to be an undeniable foundation laid upon Yeshua, Jesus, that we can go back and understand where we missed this whole thing. And we missed it. It, it, folks, we missed it, but I'm going to tell you something. We missed it because we were supposed to have missed it. Because it's all part of God bringing, about the out, bringing back about the outcasts of Israel. Let's go to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. This gets so interesting, and, and uh, I, I'm certain as this keeps unfolding, you're, you're going to understand and understand and keep understanding much, much more of it. Ezekiel 34, 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. I'm in, I'm in Ezekiel 34, 1. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Now, who's this? This is the leaders. This would be, if you will, the Kohanim. This would be the, 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 the heads of the, the churches. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the, she the shepherd feed the flock, or the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Now, who is that? Ephraim. Judah was never driven away. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost. Who was lost? Ephraim. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Now, they battled. When, when Rehoboam and Jeroboam, I mean, that thing went on, and they killed back and forth and slaughtered each other, the North Kingdom, the South Kingdom. Solomon was the last of all of it, of being together. But I'm not going to get that tonight. I, I, maybe next week we can get into where you can understand and we'll try to unfold the prophecy of which God spoke and said that that's what was going to happen and why it's going to happen. Everything that happened to Israel in, in, in general, north and south, both of the kingdoms, was due to sin or iniquity. Everything that happened to them. So again, it goes back to a holy God. It goes back to a holy God saying, if you'll do all this, I will bless you above and beyond. And if you don't, then you will have to walk in the curse of that which you have <clears throat> done. 
And consequently, that's what happened to most of us. Now, fifth verse. And they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Now, who, now this is ultimately talking about Jesus himself, Yeshua. They were scattered because there, there is no shepherd. At that point, there was no one. When Yeshua, when Jesus came, then he became that shepherd. And we, we try to get to that tonight. But the fact of it is at this point, now, now, now understand again, you have to realize whom they are speaking, or he's speaking of here, and that is Ephraim, that is Israel, that is the northern kingdom. Because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. In other words, it was just there. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Nobody cared. But he said nobody went to search them out. Nobody even cared to go to look for them. But there is, at this point, uh, through the sixth verse, there's no way to deny at this point of whom he, of whom it's being spoken about. It is the northern, the northern tribe, or tribes. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock. Now, who's that, who's the shepherds that didn't search? Judah. Judah didn't go search at all for those other flocks. Why? Well, number one, they hated them. Okay? But the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Now listen to 10. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and will cause them to cease from feeding the flock, neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, and they, that, that they may not be meat for them. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, uh, both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Now, that gathering them, was it going to be a physical gathering? And that's something you're, you're going to have to get a hold of. In other words, was he going to go all around the world and say, you, 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 come? No, it is a spiritual thing. It's For years and years, I have said, you must be able to hear in the supernatural or the spirit realm. The, the, the problem with that statement is relatively simple. We've got a lot of people that believe that they're hearing a voice called God. We got, in fact, the charismatic and Pentecostal movement has been absolutely uh, top notch at that statement. Uh, everything that they, in other words, they they never thought about hearing from God till they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and then all of a sudden, everything that they thought about was God telling them something. It got people in lots of trouble. Still is today. God is not speaking to people outside of their own lives, and this is very important for you to understand. Least you be a prophet of God or an apostle of God, God or one of the other fivefold ministry, it will be very, very seldom that God will speak to you out from under that which you are doing within your own life and your family. So see that that doesn't leave room as to what I should be doing that you don't think's right, or what somebody else is doing that you don't think right. That erases all that. 
God, God wants you to first understand about yourself, your placing upon this earth by God, and the situation in which you've been placed here in, in order for what God is to do through you. But what we have done, we have taken that thing and we've stretched it way, way out of bounds, and we've got to the fact that every time we pray, God's given us some great revelation about this, that, and everything else. And, and, and unfortunately, some of the people who are doing all this stuff would have, would have a book that would be much larger than this Bible just from thus saith them. And the greatest prophets in the, that's ever been on this earth didn't have that going on. So you got to understand that that needs to be held at a long arm's length at best. Let's go on. 13, and I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the, from the countries. Now notice that's more than one. And will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of, of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be that, there, that, that, that they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away. Now, see, that's two things. And will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and, and the strong and I will feed them uh, with judgment. Now, what God is doing is God is about to do an entirely different thing. Now, even though today in Israel, the rabbis or the head rabbis of Israel are in complete charge of Israel. Now, I know that they have a, a, you know, Netanyahu's a man of great power, but Netanyahu still, he answers to those two head rabbis. Everything that he does, everything he decides to do, when they had the 67 war, uh, which Netanyahu was one of the officers in the, in the, in the military then, but that war was decided by the head rabbis. That was, and when it was to have been done, or when it was to have been taken place. And when we start studying the feasts, what you're going to begin to find out that everything that's ever been revelant unto uh, Israel took place upon one of those great feast days. Not by their choice, but by the divine, supernatural act of God did it take place. So uh, all this stuff is not something that was just there in this book and given for a wonderful, cute little history lesson so we could read about and say, no, we don't want any part to do with that. That was all put there, given, given unto those of us that have received him, meaning Yeshua Jesus, that have brought ourselves into the place to keep his commandments. And his commandments, again, uh, were not that back past uh, the four gospels that, uh, that was written about him. Uh, his commandments wasn't even his own commandments. He said, these words that I speak, he said, I'm not speaking what I want to speak. He said, I'm speaking to you the will of the Father. Hear what I said? Jesus never spoke what he wanted to speak. He said, I'm only telling you what I hear the Father say. So what did he say when he did said, keep my commandments? What was he saying? That's the Father saying, keep my commandments. Which commandments are they? Well, you go back into the first five books of the Bible, which is called the Sanach. And you begin to read and you'll find out how God set them, how he set them. I've been starting the last few weeks with Hashima, which is the, the three sets of Verses that every Jew in the world prays morning and at night. And the praying and the gist of those prayers is the fact of being sure that we understand to keep the commandments of God, to keep them, to keep them bound around our hands, 
That's and on the frontlets of our eyes for remembrance to be certain when we lay, lie down and when we rise up, when we're with our children, that we constantly we speak of the commandments of God. You see, that was the only way in order to get that through. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, it's still the only way to get it through. All we have to do is, is to pertain it unto our lives and what we're doing. Amen? Let's go to Hosea, the book of Hosea. Now, as this, again, as this keeps unfolding, Hosea is the first small, well, I want to say small because it's got, what, 12, 13, 13, no, 14 chapters in it. The first book of what we call the minor prophets or the prophets. Um, in the first chapter, we'll start in the, in the sixth verse, and, and this is interesting here. Now this is, you know, God does some wild things with prophets, and don't think that when you read this you're a prophet and you're, this God's going to do this to you, because I doubt very seriously if that will ever happen again on this earth, but uh, again, God could do anything. Sixth verse, and she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, call her name Loruhama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Now, who is the house of Israel? Israel was the northern kingdom. Okay? But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. So there he separated that, if you thought I was wrong. And will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horse, horses, or by horsemen. Now, get a hold of what he's saying here. He's not going to have any more, any more mercy on the house of Israel. He said, I'm going to take them away. I'm going to absolutely get rid of them, scatter them, as we've talked about. But, in the seventh verse, I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and I will save them by the, by the, by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by... How is he going to do that? The supernatural realm, by his power. How do you think they won that, that six-day war and conquered the mount? I mean, it wasn't because they had a mightier army. But I'm going to tell you one thing about God. He has been an absolute gem when it comes to taking a few and destroying armies. I mean, he's been something when it comes to that. So, so it's been set up here. Now, now also remember that the book of Hosea is, is being prophesied by this prophet as to events that are going to take place, not events that have taken place. All right? And it's, a, it's part of what we call, or I call the end time scenario. Now, he goes on to say in the 8th verse, But when she had weaned Lohuruhamah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loamai, for ye, shall not, ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Now, listen to 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. Now, again, who is that? That's Ephraim. That's the northern kingdom, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are my people, there shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Now, who are they? The sons of the living God. And you, Now, this is important because he's saying that Ephraim will become the sons of the living God. Now, that's not something they are now or at that time when it was prophesied. He's saying that they will become sons of the living God. 
Now, so, so you don't misunderstand the scattering that took place when God drove them to the corners of the earth. Then he already had made provision for the gathering. He had already said, they are sons of God, sons of the living God. Now, if you're going to be a son of the living God, i got news for you. Uh, you're pretty important to God. Amen? And, of course, to those of us that have received uh, Yeshua, Jesus, we have become sons of the living God. So now, now listen to, to, to 11, because he goes on. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together. Now, then they're going to be gathered together. And appoint themselves one head. Now, who's that head going to be? Jesus, Yeshua. And they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Of course, now that he's getting, you go on and read that, you're going to find out that he's getting into the, into the last days and, and all the things that are going to take place within that, that time. But the important thing is to understand again, they were separated. What God said about Judah, what God said about Israel, what God said he was going to do, how God said that he was going to do it. Now we have established the fact that God has absolutely called Ephraim the sons of the living God. Now in the eighth chapter of that same uh, book of Hosea, and in the first verse, set the trumpet to thy mouth. That's serious stuff when God starts talking like that. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry to me, My God, we know thee. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off. Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? Isn't that about where we're at today? Oh. Hey, we don't belong to you. How, how come all this happened to us? How come these things go on? Well, we're not under all that, all that bondage. Huh? Now listen, as he goes further with this thing, he says, for from Israel was it, was it also the workmen made it, therefore it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. For they have sown the wind, and they reap the whirlwind, it hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal, for it will be it yield, the strangers shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. You understand? So we were taken, and we were scattered, and we got amongst the Gentiles. And after years and years of marrying outside of the ten tribes, in this case, then we didn't know who was who, or what was what, or when was when, did we? didn't know which end was up. Isn't that exactly what he's saying here? Exactly what he's saying. And, and he's talking very, very strongly about how that Israel was swallowed up. Ninth verse, For they are gone unto Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim hath hard lovers. Yea, though they have hired among, the, uh, hired among the nations, now will I gather them, and they shall 
sorrow a little for the burden of the kings of princes. Because Ephraim hath made many alders to sin, alders shall be unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were not were counted as a strange thing. Now, what do we think? Does anybody? I know some of you are because you're you're reacting to it, but isn't it something that that's us? Now, let's see. About how many years ago was this written? Now, now again, to show you how guarded God has been in this, and this is the thing that amazes me about Scripture. Everything in Scripture is closed until the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost, opens it. See, that's the reason when God spoke to Daniel, and he said, Daniel, shut up the sum of the book, for it shall be sealed until the time of the end. In other words, there's no way of understanding. There's no way, there is no way to, to, for our minds carnally to comprehend it. Even though we have tried, we have tried, we have drastically tried through the years to be able to interpret the book of Revelation. We have tried desperately to, and there's been all kinds of books written on, on the book of Revelation. And like I keep saying, they're all different views and they all can't be right. Somebody's wrong. And the only way we've got to decide what's wrong without the true leadership and the guidance of the Raha Kodesh, the Holy Ghost, is that we have to just decide who we liked and what opinion we took, which has been a tough thing on, on the church during this time. But we have come to this thing, and, and we counted this all as a strange thing. This is strange keeping the Sabbath. This is strange keeping the feast. It's strange having bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. It's strange to talk about the mikvah, the baptism of Judaism. It's strange to us all these things. Why? Because God said to you, said, I will hide them from you, and I will cast you to the four corners of the earth, and you're not even going to know it. But it's going to be strange. I preached out of the book of Hosea for years and years and years. When you, this, this stuff starts to open up and it just like a flood, and all of a sudden you go, wow. We've been out there among all the rest of them strange people. And now God is calling us forth. Ephraim, Ephraim, come forth, because now I shall gather you back unto myself. And that's what we're doing. I'm telling you folks, this is one of the big, one of the biggest time things that has happened on the face of this earth since Jesus was here. That God is gathering Israel. And you know, we sang that song, of course, when we, well, the problem with us when we talk about Israel, we always lump them all together. And it was only here recently until the revelation came to me that I really began to understand the separation of them. And that every time that God spoke here after they were separated, then every time God spoke of Israel, He talked about the northern kingdom. When He wanted to talk about Judah, He talked about Judah, which was the southern kingdom. And yet somehow or other, we as crazy whatever just didn't quite get that all put together, did we? Let's go for the 13th verse. They sacrifice flesh for the, uh, for the sacrifices of mine offerings and, and eat it, but the Lord accepteth them not. Now will he remember their iniquity and visit their sins. They shall return to G Egypt. For Israel hath forgotten his maker and buildeth temples. And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. And of course, again, this is in time in time stuff that that is going to, there's a lot of years that's taken place between 13 and 14 and you have to realize that too but the, the, again the fact of it is Judah and Israel is two separate entities of which happened as God caused it to happen look in the book of Amos 
ninth chapter and the ninth verse. I, I, one verse here. Um, here's where he says this, and I think it's really neat. He just comes out and says, For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations. Like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. In other words, he's going to know exactly where it's all at, where it's all gone, and everything else. But he says that I'm going to do what? He said, I'm going to sift the whole house of Israel among all nations. There again, that's the reason we got lost under ourselves. And we didn't understand who we were and why we were and when we were. Let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter of Ephesians now. Ephesians 2, I'm going to start in the 12th verse, um, hoping that you read enough of the book of Ephesians that you understood what was happening in the first 11 verses. I'm not going to go back through that. That at that time you were without Christ. Now this, this letter is really interesting because it is to the church. And at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Ephraim, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Now there again, I think if you look that word up, you'll find out that that is lumping itself together. But now the 13th verse, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I tried to interpret that lots of ways through the years. It makes it real simple now, doesn't it? Very simple the way that works. That that, 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 that has now, you know, that wall of partition between us, between us as Ephraim and them as Judah. Having abolished in, in, in his place the enmity. Now that, that's the, the hatred. Now you know that was, went on, right? See, the, where were we at when all this, you know, you read this stuff, you've studied it, you've taught it. Where was I at during that part? I'd say, Lord, where was I at? Well, the, the enmity, the, the, the hatred was between the two. As I said, they warred, they murdered, they killed, they slaughtered each other. It goes on to say, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. There it is, isn't it? Did Paul know about it? Evidently he did. Did Paul try to tell us? You bet he did. But, it, but God hid it until it was time to see it. Sixteenth verse, it says, And that he might reconcile both unto God, Ephraim and Judah, in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity between them, or thereby. And, it, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Now, who was afar off? Ephraim. Who was nigh? Judah. For though, but though, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Somebody say amen. Something in it. Right there. My, my case is black and white. I don't know what yours is. All right? Now, I want you to, to look in numbers, and I want to try to get this in before we, I run out of tape tonight. In the book of Numbers, uh, in the ninth chapter in the fourteenth verse, 
Now listen closely to this. Numbers 9.14, And if a stranger shall so sojourn... Now this was talking now, the tribes were together here, okay? So we're talking about pure Gentile, all right? Somebody outside the tribes that we would call Gentile. So sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord... According to the ordinance of the Passover, and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. In other words, they're to be treated the same. If you come, there's only one law, and that wall's for everybody. You do it, you're considered part of them. You don't do it, you're going to be an outcast to them forever. So the key again, and notice what what he he put a great amount of of uh, of uh, uh, pressure on was uh, the Passover, wasn't it? Keep the Passover. Said, so, well, we keep the Passover. No, most of the time Christians keep Easter. You know, that's when the rabbit comes and we collect the eggs. That's what we most of the time we have kept. Now we've under the pretense, of course. Well, we know that Jesus came, but the highlight of that weekend is usually the bunny rabbit. It's not really Jesus. It's 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 the bunny rabbit. Uh, let me let me get in Leviticus. Have I got enough tape to go on with this? A few more minutes. Let's let's hope so. Uh, Leviticus 19, and again, this is going to cover some more things about the stranger, and I want to try to get this in. Two verses, 19:33 and 34. 33 and 34. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in the land, ye shall not vex him, but the stranger that dwelt with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God, which is his stamp of saying that's the way it is, boys and girls. All right, so it really doesn't make any difference as to whether you were a Jew or you weren't a Jew. You can join yourself to him. Now, how are we joined to him through what we call Christianity, through, through Yeshua, through Christ? So the bonding is there, you know, you want to recognize it or not, that's your, that is your, you know, that's, everybody has to make decisions and that would be your decision. In Numbers 15, uh, 15 and 16, it says along the same lines, uh, probably don't even need to read that, uh, it says, uh, one ordinance shall be both for you and for the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, that means forever, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. So again, it's all one and the same. One more scripture I want to give you. There's a set of scriptures in, in Galatians, the third chapter. And then we will quit here for the week. Galatians. The other time it would flop open. You'd be in a hurry to get to Galatians and it would hide from you, wouldn't it? Galatians three twenty seven. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, what promise is that? The commandments of God. Now, I, you know, I don't know how you've interpreted uh, errors according to the promise, but those promises go back again under the, the first five books, of what we call the five books of Moses or the Tanakh. 
And that's what that is. That, that you're, you're heirs according to that promise.